In the pen of inspiration, Ellen White writes that where, where there are gatherings and meetings for people of God, Satan is also in the midst of them, trying to put people to sleep. It was Satan in the Garden of Gethsemane that caused the disciples to slumber, while Christ in his most important time was making the decision for humanity. And so I pray that if you are having your eyes closed, it's because you're praying for me. Amen? <laughs> but before we get into the message, I would like to ask that you'd please bow your heads with me for a word of prayer. Let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, Lord, I pray that you would please be with us at this time. I pray that you'd please guide us with your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray that you would please open our hearts and our minds as we open the Bible. As we read, as we study, may that still, small voice speak to our hearts and our minds at this time. Thank you for your pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to turn, ask you to turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 13. Is that the first slide? Can you just press B first, please? Just press play and then press B. Romans chapter 13, and we're starting in verse 11. Help me press B first, please. Thank you. Romans chapter 13 and verse 11. If you don't know what this verse is about, this is actually the theme text that we've chosen for all our meetings in this weekend and the few days that we'll be spending together. Shall we read together? I'd like for us to read together verse 11, 12, 13, and 14. Okay, Romans chapter 13, starting in verse 11. One, two, three. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. You know, this is the theme that we've chosen for our conference here in this weekend. The Bible says that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. I believe that we are all people of time. We react and act according to the time that we are living in. And I'm led to believe that this morning, the reason why many of you are here in this conference, and I say many because everybody has different reasons for why they're here, but I believe that many of us are here because we realize the time that we are living in. Amen? Amen. But I want to just review for you quickly, and I want to ask you this question if you don't know. But do you know the time that we are living in today? Do you understand 
the signs that God has given to us in the scriptures to help us to understand that we don't have much time left. And so I'd like to draw your attention to the slides real quick, starting in the book Hosea chapter 4, verses 1 to 3. I want to run through these slides very quickly because I want to get everybody up to speed to help you to understand the times that we, we are living in today. Because I believe if you understand that, you will understand the decision that you need to make today. Hosea chapter 4, verses 1 to 3, the Bible says, Hear the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel. For the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. Who has a controversy with us? The Lord. Because why? There is no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. Friends, I believe that's the time that we're living in today. Christians abound, churches abound, but there are many people, majority of the Christians out there, have no idea of the truth or the mercy of God. Verse 2, by swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery, they break out and blood toucheth blood. Therefore, this is what the Lord is going to do. Shall the land mourn, and every one that dwelleth therein shall languish, with the beasts of the field, with the fowls of heaven, yea, the fishes of the sea also shall they be taken away. Because of what God's people or the people in this earth are not doing, because there's no mercy, because there's no truth, because there's no knowledge of God in the land, there are three things that God says that He will do that will languish. The beasts of the field, the fowls of the heaven, and the fishes of the sea. Then also in Zephaniah, we have a very similar text. Zephaniah chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. I will utterly consume all things from off the land, saith the Lord. I will consume man and beast. I will consume the fowls of the heaven and the fishes of the sea and the stumbling blocks with the wicked. And I will cut off man from off the land, saith the Lord. So here in Zephaniah, we are given one extra, te- uh, one extra element. And who is it? It is man. Because there is no knowledge, because there is no truth, God is going to make all these things languish. In other words, they will begin to grow dim or they're going to get less and less. Friends, do you know the time that you are living in? I want to show you starting with the beasts. In 2000, I'm sorry, the... The text here is very difficult to read, but in January 16, 2011, hundreds of cows just die for no apparent reason. People say it's because of something they ate, but you know, they couldn't find it in research. These are the beasts of the field. In Vietnam, in, two, in January 17, I believe that is, 2011, thousands of buffalo died. Did you know that? Three years ago. The birds of the air in Arkansas, January 3, 2011, reporters were, were reporting many places where birds were just falling dead. And they said because it was a fireworks. Isn't that interesting? After hundreds of years of fireworks, now the birds decide to drop dead. January 3. January 6, Italy, same thing happened. 
in Texas, 2011, January 6th, same thing happened. People were reporting this strange phenomenon that was taking place. Beasts of the earth, the birds of the air were just dropping dead for no reason. They had not eaten anything. They did not find anything in them to cause their death. The birds were just dying. The fishes of the sea. And I wanted to go through this very quickly because I don't have much time. And I know that if I, too, too, I, I say too much, you'll also fall asleep as well. Um, what does this look like? It's not a rice field or a paddy field or anything. This is a river filled with dead fish. Did you know that? September, I'm sorry, I cannot see the dates there. I was hoping it would be there. It's in Louisiana, 2011. Here is in Arkansas, 2011, dead fish just swept up on the shores. Here is baby octopuses. I can't read the country there. I'm sorry. If you can read it, please say it for me. Um, New Zealand, January 5, 2011. All these things, I don't know if you realize or not, but this is not when you were 10 years old or 5 years old. This is just three years ago. As you're looking at all of these things, my question to you is, do you understand the time that we are living in? Do you understand that these things are taking place on our earth just a few years ago? It was not 50, it wasn't 100, my friends. This is recent history. And my question to you this morning is, do you understand the time that you are living in? England, 2011, hundreds of crabs washed up dead. Do you understand the time that you are living in? Seals, I'm sorry, you can't see it too clearly there, from Canada. Do you understand the time that you are living in? California. Hundreds of fishes washed up dead. The boats could not even get out of the dock. Do you understand the time that we are living in? Friends, Man, we don't need to say much about that. We understand that men have been dying. And they say that this past 100 years, more men have died from war than the, all the other years added together. We don't have to say much about the death of man and what God is doing with that. But I believe it's because God's people have forsaken knowledge. I believe it's because God's people have pushed away the truth and even His mercy. And as a result, what is God doing? He is not an angry God, and because of that, we refuse to worship Him, that He comes and punishes us. God, do we have a choice? Absolutely. But what God has been trying to do is get the attention of His people that have fallen asleep. For now, it is high time to ar arise out of our slumber. For now is our salvation nearer than when we first believed. Do you understand the time that you are living in? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 3, the Bible says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. 
For men shall be lovers of their own selves. And it goes on and on with this list. But I want to show you one without natural affection. Do you know what the unnatural affection of man is? Do you know what natural affection is? It's a man for a woman. Not a man for a man. Are you with me? Perilous times shall come in the last days. And the fact that we are legalizing all these gay marriages everywhere, it's not about the fact that I hate them. No, I don't hate them. It's just a sign of the times that we are living in. Do you understand the time that we are living in today? I'm sorry the pictures are not turning out so well. But one of our conference workers who's also a church member for us, and I mean mission workers, Ronald, just had a baby boy delivered in Sabah, reminds me of a text in Matthew 24. Let's go there real quick, shall we? Matthew 24. And I'm asking you this question, brothers and sisters. Do you understand the time that you are living in? Matthew 24 begins with how the disciples come to show Jesus this beautiful temple that he was just walking out of. It was a beautiful temple for sure. There were gold vines running up it, they said. And said, Jesus, Jesus, look at this beautiful temple. And what does Jesus say? One of the most shocking things a Jew could ever hear. Do you see the structure? I'm telling you there's coming a day when not one stone shall be left on top of another, right? And the disciples shocked out of their mind. They said, Jesus, please tell us when shall these things be and what shall be the what? Sign of thy coming and the end of the world. We know this passage very clearly. And Jesus goes on to say what? There's going to be false Christs. What else? False prophets. There'll be wars. Nations against nations and kingdom against kingdoms. There shall be also what? Famines, pestilences, and earthquakes. And then it says in verse 8. And then it says in verse 8. These are the beginning of what? Sorrows. That word sorrow means what? It means birth pain in the original Greek. Jesus says these, when you see these things taking place, false Christ, false prophets, earthquakes, famines, wars, right? When you see all these things taking place, these are the beginning of birth pains. And friends, I want to remind you that when you see the word beginning, we are not at the beginning. Are you with me? No, some don't understand. When the Bible says there in verse 8, these are the beginning of what? Sorrows, which is also birth pains. When you see the word beginning there, many people are deceived about the time that we're living in. Because it's the beginning of what? Which is also what? Birth pains, right? Friends, okay, this will have to come from the mothers and the fathers that have an experience. But when do birth pains begin? Tell me. Do birth pains begin when the woman first gets pregnant? Okay. That's a time when they usually vomit, right? When do birth pains begin? Begin when you are near the end. 
You see, the Bible is trying to tell us in verse 8 that when you see these things, don't think we're at the beginning. It's the beginning of birth pains. In other words, any time now, the baby can be delivered. Right? So friends, when you look at this verse and it says these are the beginning of sorrows, I want to remind you the fact that we're seeing the fulfillment of all these things taking place, we are not at the beginning anymore. We are at the end. And you know when birth pains begin and you're a father expecting that child, you don't go anywhere. You don't even go to AOY. <laughs> AOY in Penang's okay because you're across the road from the hospital. Amen? <laughs> Amen? But you don't go traveling. The planes won't even let you get on. When you're at the beginning of birth pains, you better pack a bag with all your clothes. The doctor says, have a shower because you don't know when you're going to shower again. You better be ready any time. Do you understand the time that we are living in? Friends, the days that pass should not be like business as usual anymore. Those times are long gone. Those times have been gone for some of you before you were even born. Do you understand the time that you are living in? I want to show you one more thing real quick. It's about birth pains because two things happen over time with birth pains, okay? One, it happens more frequently, okay? Your contractions for a woman, now I'm only speaking by what I saw, okay? <laughs> but the contractions for a woman take place more frequently, right? Ladies, please say yes. Yeah. Okay, ladies that are single, you can't say yes, you don't have experience in this, okay? <laughs> but over time, it becomes more frequent. Second thing is over time, it becomes more intense. It gets stronger, right? When my wife was giving birth to our latest son, January 1st, my only son, January 1st, she took my arm while she had birth pains, and it was the last time I gave her my arm. I gave her my jacket after that. Okay? And I asked her after that, it's like, if you could do that to my arm, why can't you open a can? Are you with me? Women, you have strength that is called for that men will never possess because we've never felt such pain in our life before. But over time, two things take place. It becomes more frequent and becomes more intense. And there's one thing in Matthew 24 that I want you to see real quick, and it's about earthquakes. Now, some of you have seen this before, but I just want to point this out real quick so that all of us here will have a clear understanding about the time that we are living in. USGS.gov, I got this from a government website in the United States of America. I'm sorry, you can't see that there. It says, historic earthquakes are uh, considered 6.0 or greater on the Richter scale, okay? 10 is the worst. One, we probably have a lot of them. But 6.0 or greater on the Richter scale is considered a major earthquake. And every 10 years, they measured these earthquakes, from 1940 to 1949. Anybody here born in around that time period? Okay. 
35. We had 35 major earthquakes in that time span. From 50 to 59, we had how many? 38. From 60 to 69, we had 33. From 70 to 79, we had 37. From 80 to 89, we had 28. 1990 to 1999, we had 43. Now, for all those, and this is the thing, this is the problem with traveling and preaching, because I've seen half your faces before, and you've seen this slide before. But for those that have never seen this before, do you know how many major earthquakes we had from 2000 to 2009? That's the last 10 years. I'm sorry, my daughter is old, but I can't do this 10 years because we're not finished with it yet. Okay? But does anybody want to guess how many earthquakes we've had from 2000 to 2009? Any? Come, any takers? Don't be shy. You can talk. 200? Anybody else? Do you think 200 is too high? 100? You see, it's so easy to convince you guys. <laughs> this is how many we've had from 2000 to 2009. You know, when you went, oh, that's exactly how I felt when I counted it. So I counted it another two times to make sure that what I got was correct. This is from a government website, friends. This is not... This is not what we call sensationalism. This is what you call opening your eyes to what God is trying to tell you in the day and age that you're trying to live in. The day that we are going through now should not be life as usual. That time passed when it went 2000. Are you with me? From, from 1940 to 1999, you could have somewhat of an excuse to be living the way you had because God didn't give you a clear sign. You understand I'm trying to defend all those that have been unfaithful from 1940 to 1999, right? But we don't have an excuse anymore, friends. Do you understand the time that we are living in? And this is not something that man can create. Some people think it is with this instrument called a harp, H-A-A-R-P, not the instrument harp, okay? But there are all these conspiracy theories out there of a H-A-A-R-P that is able to produce earthquakes. But you know what? Even if man created such a thing, I believe that even then they are fulfilling the Word of God. Amen? Do you understand the time that we are living in. Parents, do you understand the time that you're raising up your children in? Students, do you understand what time period you're living in? Businessmen, do you understand what time period we're in? Where God is trying to tell us Himself not because he hates us, not because he's angry with us, but because he's trying to wake his children up and tell them that there's something he needs them to do to get their life ready. Do you understand the time that we are living in? 2005 was the hurricane record-keeping season in U.S. And it's the most since record-keeping began in 1851. The previous record, 1933. Do you understand 
the time we are living in. Do you? While you were all celebrating Christmas, do you know what's going on? Or has Christmas become truly a pagan holiday to you that you forget all about Christ? Let me remind you, brothers and sisters, I hope that I don't disappoint you by this news, but Christmas was not Christ's birthday. Amen? Amen. But here we have Pope Francis. He prays for peace in Iraq and Syria. Pope Francis celebrates Christmas and he wishes peace for the Mideast. He's become the peace ambassador. He prays for hope and peace in his Christmas address. War never again, never again war. Isn't this a great thing to have? It is, right? But not until you open your eyes to Scripture and you see in Daniel chapter 8 and verse 25 where the Bible says, and through his policy, speaking of the papacy, speaking of the Catholic Church, speaking of that little horn, the Antichrist of the Bible, through his policy also he shall cause craft to prosper in his hand and he shall magnify himself in his heart and by peace he shall destroy many. He shall also stand up against the prince of princes and he shall be broken without hand. Friends, peace is a great thing, but you know what? When you put on your prophetic glasses and you see through the eyes of God, you realize that we don't have much time left on this earth. Are you with me? Are you with me, friends? Are you awake? Do you understand this time that we are living in? As I stand here at a youth conference, I can't believe I'm not a youth anymore. I still act like it sometimes. I still wish for it. I still have that burden for youth ministry, but you know what? I'm not a young person anymore. And you know that what it tells me? It tells me that my generation failed. My generation did not realize the time that they were living in. Because if you come back with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 13 and verse 11. Romans 13 and verse 11. The Bible says what? And that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we first believed. Somehow, friends, the knowledge of the time that we are living in will cause us to change the life that we are now living in. Do you know the time? But you know what it says? Now it is time to do what? Tell me, what does it say here in verse 11? Now it is time to what? Awake out of sleep. Friends, in order for us to awake out of sleep, we have to understand what put us to sleep first, isn't it? Are you with me? So what is it that put us to sleep? In these verses, we are actually given the answer. Come with me to now verse 12. The night is far spent, the day it is hand, therefore let us cast off what? The works of darkness. So could it be that these works of darkness put us to sleep? If you agree with me, please say amen. amen. What is the works of darkness? Is that clear in here? Is it? What's the works of darkness? Verse 13. Let us 
walk honestly, as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. I couldn't understand what half those words were, so I had to go the concordance to get the definitions. And let me tell you, these are the works of darkness. These are the very things that have put us to sleep. What is rioting? Enjoying oneself in a lively and noisy way, especially with drinking and dancing. So what do we call that? Partying, right? We all agree with that. If you agree, please say amen. amen. Some of you don't agree. Maybe you're living that lifestyle still. Drunkenness, that one's pretty clear, intoxication. Chambering, a place for laying down, sleeping, the marriage bed of adultery, cohabitation. That's what chambering is. There are some people here, maybe you're living with your girlfriend or boyfriend and you know you shouldn't be. Maybe some of you are in a relationship and you've progressed beyond just holding hands. Gotten to base one and base two and base three. And you think it's funny, but you lose something that you can never get back ever again. Wantonness, lasciviousness, filthiness, unbridled lust. Doesn't that describe the time that we're living in, friends? And then it says strife, which is debate. You know, people love to debate about the Bible, isn't it? They debate so much that they forget there are souls that are needed to be one. This happened in the theologian circles of Ellen White's day. And you know what she said? Stop talking about the daily, friends. It will do you no good. For those theologians that know what I'm talking about. She said, just go out and do the work. Amen. You don't need to be a theologian to teach a Bible study, friends. Amen? Amen. I'm going to hold you accountable to that. Envying, which is jealousy. But friends, these are the very things that have put God's people to sleep. The works of darkness. And brothers and sisters, before you start getting comfortable in your chair and thinking, well, I don't go partying. I'm still a virgin. I don't get intoxicated with liquor. I don't live with my partner that I shouldn't be living with. And I don't debate with anybody. That's not me. Let me tell you, what else put God's people to sleep? Come with me in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. And oh, we've gone there all too often, but please, come with me there in your Bibles, to Revelation chapter 3 and verse 17. Speaking of the Laodicean church, and, you know, I want to show you why I believe this church is asleep and how I know that they are asleep. What is the condition of this people in this church? What is the problem? What is it? They are lukewarm. They're not hot and they're not cold. They have a mixture of both, right? I learned, I learned hydrotherapy when I was in Bible school. I don't remember much of it, but I do remember this one thing. They said when you have insomnia, you can't sleep, soak yourself in a lukewarm bathtub. Is that right? 
I'm really scared because there's a bunch of people here that do hydrotherapy for a living. <laughs> is, is that right? I, I guess they don't want to embarrass me. <laughs> but they say when you, I mean, there's other, there's other things that you can do, of course, if you can't sleep as well. But they say that when you can't sleep, put yourself in a lukewarm bathtub where it's about the temperature of your body, your blood, 37 degrees. That's not very hot. It won't burn you. But that's the reason why people like to soak in hot tubs at the end of the day. It relaxes you and soothes you. And this is the condition of the Laodicean church. They're not hot, and they're not cold either. What's their problem in verse 17? Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods, and have need of what? Nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. You know what their problem is, friends? It's not just simply that they are getting involved in partying, in drugs, in getting drunk. That's not just the only problem of this generation that we are living in today. One thing here that it also says is that they know not that there are all these things, but they say what? I don't have need of what? anything. They're not outrightly bad. Let me describe to you a later scene. He comes to church once a week. He'll get involved in Vespers. He'll join the church choir. He knows how to pray. In fact, he even knows where the books of the Bible are. but he has this attitude of indifference. I'm not like that friend that I go to school with who's an Adventist that breaks the Sabbath by going to an exam. I'm not like that friend there who's doing drugs and partying and getting drunk, throwing up in public. Not so bad. I've never broken the Sabbath before. I'm talking about myself, friends. That's what I thought in my heart. I didn't really need Jesus because I wasn't so bad like everybody else. Are you with me? I knew how to pray. I went to Friday night Vesper. I was in Auntie Ellen's choir as an alto when I was young. I remember that. But I had this attitude of indifference. And you know, while many of you are sitting there going, yeah, I don't party, I don't do drugs, I'm on the street on Friday night going out late and buying stuff and eating stuff that I shouldn't do and whatever it is, I'm not any of those people. But let me tell you, friends, what are you doing for the cause of God? If you're not bad, then you must be what? Then what good are you doing? Are you with me? If you're not bad like these people, let me ask you, what is making you good? That you can say, I'm righteous. Not not that I'm doing it myself, friends. But it's Christ that works through me, Amen? amen? Let me show you. 
Desire of Ages, page 141, paragraph 3. Many are waiting to be personally addressed in the very family, the neighborhood, the town where we live. There is work for us to do as missionaries for Christ. Is there work for us to do today? Absolutely. If we are Christians, friends, don't, don't keep reading. How many here are Christian? Come on, raise your hand. How many here are Christian? I'm not saying how many are Seventh-day Adventists. How many here are Christian? Some of you will seem unsure. But if we are Christians, this work shall be our what? Delight. No sooner is one converted than there is born within him a desire to make known to others what a precious friend he has found in Jesus. The saving and sanctifying truth cannot be shut up in his heart. Friends, you might not be doing bad, but are you doing something for God that is good? <laughs> Before you think, well, I stand up here and give mission report, and I pray pastoral prayer, and I play on the piano and lead out in song service, and I even preach. Let me show you what good we should be doing. Okay? Because no sooner is one converted then there is born within him a desire to make known to others. Friends, if you are truly converted, this work will come automatically. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. Because it's not that you who wants to do it. It's because Christ is working in your heart. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, he's convicted your heart. And you say, God, my brother or my sister or my friends, they're lost. I love them. I have to help them. This is not something that's manufactured. It's not something that I tell you and you're just going to go and do it. It's something that comes from your heart. And it, it can only come from there because that's where the Holy Spirit is working. You can test whether you are converted or not by this statement. Are you with me? Maranatha 107.2 In a time like this, we should have but one object in view the employing of every means that God has provided by which the truth may be planted in the hearts of men. It is the duty of every Christian to strive to the utmost of his ability to spread abroad the knowledge of what? The knowledge of what? The knowledge of what? Are you with me? Do you know what you call that? It's called Bible study. It's called preaching. These two things. This is what Jesus commissioned his disciples to do. To go into all the world and not be a choir. With a three, four part harmony and three to each part. He commissioned them to be preachers and teachers of the word of God. Amen? Amen. And friends, this is the duty of every Christian. I don't care... And I say this in the nicest way possible. But I don't care how good your talents are on that piano. That is not called teaching the Bible to other people. If that's clear, please say amen. amen. I don't care how good you can sing. If it's not using that mouth to teach other people about the God who is coming very soon, then you are not doing what God wants you to do. Amen? Amen. 
Now, don't say it just because I, you feel intimidated by what I'm asking you to say. Maranatha 2.20, paragraph 6 and 7. I just want to show you this. As long as there are many asleep, many sporting away the precious hours in careless what? Indifference. You know what indifference is? You know what indifferent means? You see someone on the roadside, and you see that he's been hurt by robbers, and you don't help him, but you don't go there and kick him as well while he's down and look for any money that he has left over. You're indifferent. You don't help him, but you're not hurting him either. You walk on by. Are you with me? Friends, you know, Pastor Skeet and Pastor Ramden, they've been talking about how you need to give up that which is bad and strive for the good, amen? Amen? Amen. I hope you're not falling asleep. (laughs) But what I'm trying to show you here this morning is it's not just enough. It's not enough just to be not bad. It's not enough just to be at church. It's not enough just to stay away from those things that are evil. My question is, friends, are you doing that which God wants you to do? Because many people stay away from that which is bad, but they become indifferent. They're not helping the cause of God, but they're not destroying the cause of God either. What are you doing in saving a soul in the time that we are living in? Maranatha 2.20, paragraph 4. I'm sorry, it's cut over, off over there. There are those things who have been bla- those, there are those who have had the blazing light of truth shining all around them. You know what? I believe if you walk into Adventist church anywhere in the world, you are one of these people who have the blazing light of truth shining all around you, and yet they are insensible to it. Isn't that amazing? They are enchanted, she says, by the enemy, held under a spell by his bewitching power, they are not preparing for that great day which is soon to come to our world. They seem utterly insensible to religious truth. Friends, we are living in dangerous times. You might not be doing bad, but you might still be a Laodicean. It's not about just whether you're doing bad or not, friends. I believe we've had enough appeals about giving up that which is bad. But friends, are you willing to shake up out of your slumber and say, God, I realized I was doing nothing. Now I need to do something. Amen? You know those people that live their life and they're not good and not bad? You know what we call them? They're called a waste of space. Now, before you think I'm so inhuman, let me tell you. Do you know when you have in your house things that, you know, like a boat? Sorry, Pastor Ramden. <laughs> that you think you need, but you don't really need it, and then you don't use it? What happens? It's a waste of space, right? Do you agree? And many Christians sit on the shelf of God's church. 
And they come once a week. They don't break the Sabbath. They're not partying and drinking. They're not doing anything bad, but they're not doing anything good either. They are a waste of space. You know why? You know why these things have become dangerous? Because when the person who has the blazing light of truth comes in and they don't know better and they see all these people that are insensible to the truth, they think, that's what I should become. Do you see that? Do you realize how dangerous that could be? Well, what, what, what do you do on the Sabbath? Well, I go home and sleep after just potluck lunch. And I get ready for dinner in Palaticus. You know, I used to live in Penang, and we used to go home and sleep and go to eat in Palaticus after sunset. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about myself, friends. This was my life before. I wasn't doing bad, but I wasn't doing good either. I hope you're, trying to, uh, you're understanding what I'm trying to get across this morning. Because she also says, finally, in Maranatha 107, paragraph 3, we are here, we are to bear the third angel's message to the world, warning men against the worship of the beast and his image, and directing them to take their places in the ranks of those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. God has not revealed to us when the time us the time when this message will close or when probation will have an end. It is our duty to watch and work and wait to labor every moment for the souls of men and that are ready to perish. Amen? Amen. This is what defines our work today as God's last day church. This is what gives us the burden to go out and share because there's coming a time when God will close probation and we will have no time left to share anything. But he's given us this message very clearly. The beast and his image directing them to keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. My friends, if you are not doing that, let me tell you this morning, you are becoming a waste of space. Because it says in the spirit of prophecy that now is a time for all to work. She also says, now is a time to sow the gospel seed. She says, now is a time for the last warning to be given. Now is a time to prepare for the coming of the Lord. Now is a time for us to sound the warning message. Amen? Amen? Amen. Now is the time to work for the salvation of men, for probation still continues. And now is the time for Christ's chosen to show their devotion to His service. Friends, are you ready to stand up for Jesus today? Now is the time. Not tomorrow. Tomorrow may never come. Not next week. Not next month. Not when your studies are over. Now is the time. Because we don't know how much longer we have left. As you hear the song, I want you to consider the words. 
and the decision that you're going to have to make in a little while. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.